0: Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 2020. That will be our text verse today as we embrace these verses from God's Word, the 2020 verses in 2020. And um, I tell you, it continues to me to say a message to me. I hope you're getting something out of it, but uh, as I told you every time, I mean, these verses have just fallen. I wanted to do 2020 verses in all the Bible in no particular order, and um, whatever they say, I pray that God would speak to us. God's Word is so amazing, and we need to really take it as a guide of our life. And, uh, you know, God says in the Psalms that He magnifies His Word above all His name. It's important to God that we we take His Word. What I'm going to read today, though, will not jive too much too close to our feelings, I'm afraid. You ever notice that about God? Sometimes our feelings and God's word don't really jive. But that's why we have faith. And when you trust God and and you believe His word, then oftentimes what I've found, and I'm sure you have, your feelings sort of kind of catch up with the facts. And so I pray that the Lord would bless us, not to get too far away from the facts. That it takes so much of our feelings to get to where they need to be, sort of like that hard candy. That Brother Todd brought to the children and to us. But may the Lord bless us. The 2020 verse, Matthew 2020, says Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her two sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. Now, there's a little red flag goes up in that verse a little bit. Something is underneath it that we can't really get to, uh, just in a uh, surface reading of it. But but this mother, uh, Zebedee's children, James and John, by the way, the apostles, two of the apostles, who Jesus was really close to, worshiping Jesus but desiring something of him. I pray that God has not brought us here today just so we can get something out of God. We worship, we bow down to worship God because he's gotten something out of us. Sin, namely. And and he's given us this opportunity to, to rejoice in salvation. And we're coming to say, thank you, God. I hope that's why. I hope you don't come to hear somebody like me preach. I hope you don't come here to, to sing or anything for that matter, but just say, thank you, God. Well, what a blessing to say that. But, but you know, if you're worshiping God or following Jesus just for something you can get out of him, you're going to be disappointed. He will disappoint you because he's not that kind of God. And so what a blessing it is. You know, there there's many in the scriptures that fall in for the lows. They didn't last long. They didn't. And so, I don't believe you're here. In fact, in fact, uh, I was thinking, studying this even yesterday, I said, you know, I don't know what I can say to this congregation because I don't think this applies to anybody in this room. No joke. I really, I thought that. I said, how in the world are, are these people, and I know so many of them, are, this just doesn't apply. And what it's going to be is talking about selfism. It's kind of the deal or the principle of the subject here, I think. And, and we see selfishness, and I don't see you as that way. Now, I see myself that way. <laughs> it's amazing. So I, I've titled, though, what I said. But, you know, this, the, the deal is, if I or any preacher only preaches just what you want to hear, you know, that, that's going to be just exactly the wrong way to go about God's Word. Because, because Jesus never told everybody just what he wanted to hear but he tells us what we need to hear, okay? So I pray that we'll take this word. This is what we need from God today. And and so what the title is this, I've titled it this, Freeing Ourselves from Ourselves. Because you can't get along in 2020 or any other year, and we're talking about this theme of of seeing our way clear 2020 vision-wise, but but if we get ourselves in the way, then we're not going to make it. I would be willing to say ourself is really the reason that we don't enjoy God more than we do. And so so here it is. The way that we're going to have to free ourselves from ourselves is going to face the truth. We'll never ever free ourselves from ourselves until we face the truth. And that's why the truth makes you free. Because we face ourself. And we understand that, first of all, when we face ourselves, that we are sinners. We have absolutely nothing to bring to God's table. In God's economy, in His sovereign grace, in His sovereign salvation, personal ambition has no merit at all with God. It does not. You know what? It's kind of like this song that I wanted us to sing before we preached. this at the cross where we talk about that verse that I think the very first one, did my Savior bleed for such a worm as I? Now I'm going to tell you, that worm theology, I don't know how you feel about it, but you got to get there. You got to really get there to really appreciate what God has done for you on the cross. Now I want you to read these verses before verse 20 because I want you to see, you know, when I see this coming from God's people, you know, it kind of does two things to me when I see the response of the disciples through their mother. Um, I see, I see. I say, well, how could they do it? And then, and then I say, well, why? Why does God say that about them, the very men that He was so close to? And 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 then I say, well, thank God because I see Randy in that too. And that's why God puts. His word out, warts and all. I mean, you think about David and Moses and all of them. That's part of facing ourselves. That's what the cross is for. You you face yourself first, you know. Don't don't hide from yourself. That's where the freedom's going to be is facing yourself. So these verses before that, this is the context of putting this verse 20. Look at verse 17 in your Bibles. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and he said unto them, now Here's what he said Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. And they shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. Now, immediately after that, here comes their mother, James and John's mother. And they put her up to it. They, they, they you know, use her as an advocate because she has ministered to Jesus so faithfully. And, and I'm supposing that they think, well, you know, Jesus might do it if she asks. You know, it's just about, I thought about when I was in elementary school, you know, and I, we, you, you get one of the really smart students to go to the teacher And ask them if we can get out early for recess. So I know better than do it myself. But you get somebody else to do it. And so so that's what they're doing. They say, I'm going to get my mama to ask them. But Jesus does not respond to the mother. He responds to them. And so let's read it. And he says in verse 21. And he said unto her, what wilt thou? What do you want? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, just, just, just right out saying, Now, what, you, what I really want is my sons to have the best place in your kingdom. Keep in mind that Jesus has just said, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to rise again. And immediately, the next thing we see in Scripture is they're saying, Well, I want these two to be right but close to you. I want them to sit right on your right hand and left. Now, there's nothing wrong with a mama wanting her best for her sons or daughters. They're not. I think we all parents do. But but here it is with God. God is saying, you know, Jesus says in verse 22, but Jesus answered and said, Jesus always overrides what we want. That's why we pray, not my will, but thine be done. Always remember that. You know, sometimes, and God knows we're dust. He knows we're fickle and we're weak. And he knows we have sin living in us still. So he allows that, but he does it so that he can heal us. And that's what he's going to do. And he explains it. He says, you know not what you ask. You don't know what you ask. Sometimes we ask things that we don't even know we ask. And that's what happened here. And the reason is they're asking for the glory of heaven without the grace of the cross. You hear me? Do not ask God for glory without making sure you know you're going to need the grace to get there. See, they were leaving that out. They just wanted it by default. See, you and I will not go to heaven By default, sometimes I think we think that all you got to do is pray the sinner's prayer and all you got to do is come down the aisle or raise your hand and automatically you go to heaven. We go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross and no other way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to me or to the Father but by me. And furthermore, you know what I've come to the conclusion? If you try to explain Jesus to an unsaved person and and, and, that, and make him look good, you're, you're cheating on Jesus is what you're doing. Because crucifixion and suffering and scars. Is the only way that God says, and God is saying that right here, He says, Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And what was that? I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ drank the cup of God's wrath on the cross. Do you know what that means? That means that we don't have it, we deserve it, but Jesus drank it for us so that. We now are not under the wrath of God. Even though Ephesians 2 said we were just like everybody else, children of wrath, even as others. And so, he says, are you able to drink the cup that I shall drink of? And to be baptized with the baptism that I'm be baptized with? The baptism of trouble, of suffering... Did you know that when you're baptized in, in, the, in, the, in the ordinance that God has given us it's just not saying I'm, I'm going to be a member of the church or I'm a believer. It's saying that, that I'm willing to suffer because that is an imitation. That's, that's believing in Jesus but that's doing what Jesus said to do and when he, he water in the scripture a lot of times is emblematic of troubles and the, the troubled waters and that's why Jonah said these waters surrounding me and and the seaweeds are around me. And that's talking about the, the suffering and problem of this world. And Jesus said, are oh, you going to be baptized with it? Can you? And listen to what they said. They say unto him, we're able. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, if you don't know what you're asking, you don't want to answer either. Obviously. I mean, I mean they, say, they, say, they say, God, we can do it. And they ought to said, Lord, we can only do it if you help us. We can only get through this problem, Lord, by your grace. We're not able without you because we know, we know, God, that nothing, nothing we can do is going to be enough. It, it sounds like Peter. You remember Peter? And Jesus said to Peter, says, Peter. You're going to deny me. Oh, no, not me. Not me, Lord. But what happened? He said, when thou art converted, Peter, strengthen your brethren. So so what's happened here, we're going to see a great conversion. And, And that's what's going to happen to you right now. You may be going through this. God turns you around. And God converts you because later on, these two men, uh, James, I think it's in Acts 12, 1 or 2, he's beheaded. I mean, he's going to really do it. And then John, you know, he's he's on the Isle of Patmos. He's just just put away, just in exile. But they don't know that. They think, well, you just come on to the kingdom. And so in verse 23... Jesus now is going to explain how not to be great. He says, and he says unto them, You shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. And so will you as believers. Understand that. Because he says, in much tribulation, we shall enter the kingdom. It's a part of our world. And so if you're going to face yourself in this 2020 year, we're going to have to be willing to face our problems, our sufferings, so that they won't surprise us. I don't know about you, but nothing really surprises me much anymore. I mean, I mean, people go all through calamities. And, and you know what? I'm no different than anybody else. I mean, you think about this family here on this front row. I mean, you, you know what? I don't have to name every time. I mean, it's a part of living in this sin-cursed world. It is. So now let's look at what they thought and how might shape our minds to understand how we can free ourselves from ourselves. Because these guys, they were wrapped up in themselves. You know, they said, what's in it for me? They start looking, first of all, when he's talking about the resurrection, if he's going to live, then I want to be right ready. And so, so, there's nothing wrong with the intimacy and desire of that, but the, what's wrong with how they wanted it? Okay? So, what, what did I say? Let me finish, sort again. Verse 23, and he said to him, Ye shall indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. And frankly, I believe, I'm not sure I understand all about, you know, the crowns of heaven and all that. I'm not sure I do. I probably don't. But I do believe if there is various rewards... The greatest reward will be for the folks that have suffered the most because the greatest amount of glory is exemplified in Jesus Christ and he was humiliated the most. He was. Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount, you remember, that blessed are those that are persecuted. Blessed. those that are persecuted those that are mourning you know heaven really seems to be for losers if you think about it folks that just give up all they they don't have anything and yet it is so true that we see heaven most clearly through the prism of tears it's amazing I have seen that and blessed God in it in my little ministry in hospital waiting rooms I have been with some of you in the rooms of your family members when God took them home and I have seen a glow right in that room. I have seen you walking down the aisle with a casket of a loved one here and I've seen strength coming from places I don't know where other than God but I know what God has glorified and for some reason that's almost Mysterious, there's a peace and a joy. We're cast down, we're not destroyed, though. How does that happen? God, that's how. But Jesus said, in verse 24, the scripture says, and when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Now, here's another case. These other ten... You think they were clear? I mean, you think they just didn't have any problems? Look at uh, that's Matthew, uh, Luke 22. You don't have to turn there. I'm coming right back. But I just want to show you that the 10, the other 10 disciples were just as guilty. <laughs> right after Jesus does uh, the Lord's Supper, I mean, I, I'm so thankful God puts the human part into his great saints. You know, again, it just gives me hope. Here's, here's in Luke 22. God, Jesus has just done the Lord's Supper, and look at verse 24. And there also, there was also a strife among them, <laughs> the disciples rather, which of them should be accounted the greatest. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we all want to be great, don't we? I mean, I mean, you know, admit it. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, yesterday... I was standing in, a, in another church and in the Hallway, and these group of guys were there. They weren't primitive Baptists, but they knew me and knew about the church. And so one of them was introducing me to the others. And here's what he said. He said, this guy pastors the largest primitive Baptist church in the world. That's what he told me. I didn't know what to say. And finally, I gathered myself, I said, well, you just don't know how small our denomination is. <laughs> I mean, that's nothing to boast about. But here's my point. I got to think about that. I mean, I mean that, that, is, that is something. I mean, what if I let in my mind, my little mind, God forbid, know, well, this is the biggest printed Baptist church. You know what, you know what, I really, I really have come to, after that guy said that last night, I was thinking, what I really have come to appreciate and love more is those pastors, and I've been to some of those churches, that are faithful, have been faithful for years and maybe have 15 or 20 people every Sunday. I mean, that blesses my heart. To me, to me, those guys are more faithful and fervent in God's Word. Because it don't take much of a preacher to come up here. It don't, because when I see a great congregation like you, I'm going to tell you, it just blesses me to look at you. That's all. So, so we see that, and we bless God in it. But but anyway, so the other 10 got mad. So here's Jesus' explanation now. You see where you fit into this. I, again, I don't know how this fits. I, I didn't know, other than hitting me, that it would even hit any of you. But it might. God's Word is really sneaky Sometimes it'll get in us and we don't even expect it and even don't want it. But, but Jesus said unto them unto him and said you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them and they that are great exercise authority upon them. Now that's the world today. I mean that is politics. Got it? I mean we see that really really close lately and Republicans, Democrats, all together. Make those power plays. You're going to do something for me, and I'm going to do something for you. That is how it works. It's not what you know, it's who you know. So Jesus is saying, that's the world. And you know what? We're not going to change the world. We're not. But we're not to be of the world. We're not to let that stuff soak in us. And you know what? A lot of churches are getting like that. I mean, they have all kind of programs and and conferences and things, and some of them are good, don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of It's nothing but to fill the ego of people about their spirituality so they can feel great. And one of the things that hinders us to see clearly to free ourselves from ourselves sometimes is serving God. Now, I know that sounds crazy, But I really believe there are people that serve God that are not doing it for any other reason but to be notified and to be bragged upon or to be in some sort of a high esteem. Maybe I'm wrong. Please forgive me. I'm not saying you, but I'm saying it can surely happen. I mean, that's religion. The Pharisees were good at it. You know, that that publican and that Pharisee. And what is it? Luke uh, 18, I think it is. You know, that Pharisee got his to. When I'm thinking that I go to church every day, I give all these tithes and all this. He just names stuff. I use I about five or seven times. And that little publican standing out there wouldn't even go into church. I mean, I'm going to tell you, God's got a lot of people never going to church. They don't feel worthy to go into church. But they're God's people, and they're going to be in heaven. And so what we need to be as a church, then it has a heart for people to say, whoever God's got out there, I want them them to come and know that we love them and that God loves them because we need them to be strengthened to one another. But Jesus said that publican went away justified. You remember that. So anyway, he says, but it shall not be among you. You're not going to use your power to persuade me. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Listen to this. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. And that word "servant" is talking about a lowly diokonus. It's a Greek word I looked up. Would you believe it? Here's what it said. It means, it means, it means like a, 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 a not educated, not of any great ability just one that does the lowest work a servant and the other word for servant Jesus uses or the Greek word is doulos which is slave which means that that we have no rights because because we don't either you're a slave to yourself and the world or you're a slave to God there's nothing in between that, that's what That's why we need to be born again because you won't embrace this unless God has gotten hold of your heart and changed that part of your life. And whosoever be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto you, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus is our example. Uh, Look at Philippians chapter 2 just briefly. Here's a great example of what Jesus is. And he's, he's our master. He's our teacher. And he said, Let this mind, in verse 5 of Philippians two, be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now let's try to close this out. If you got your bulletin, I've got four sentences that I want to say to you. At least it helps me. Because I want something in my heart when I leave here that will help me free myself from myself. What I mean by that is, if you can be free from yourself, that is understanding that you die to yourself. Paul said you do that every day. This physical body, these affections, these lusts, these, these, these parts of me that, that are nature, we still have them. Even when God saves us, we do. All right, then if you're going to free be free from yourself, you're going to be able to, to go through success Without being proud you are so God might just bless you I mean he's blessed us, but we're not proud well you know we know where it comes from okay and then also you if you're free of yourself you will be able to take criticism and not be bitter can you do it <laughs> it's tough but, but when we think about what Jesus did for us man you know, you can criticize me, and I'm so thankful you don't know me like God does. Because you can never know everything I've done wrong. <laughs> you couldn't. So, so, you know what? So, what a blessing that God has forgiven me. And so, what a blessing we see this. And you know what, too? We might have to be judged. And when we judge, we are going to be, actually, not only by God, but by others. And so we're going be misjud- to be, be misjudged, and we don't need to get upset about it take on the defensive that's why we need to be free from ourselves i think it was billy graham i was reading somewhere that said the smallest package he'd ever seen was a man that was wrapped up in himself. you know that's true i believe that's a lot of truth in it and then then also when we suffer and we're going to suffer we need to be free of ourselves because we got to be able to say well I'm, i'm ready god i can suffer I'm able to suffer only if you help me. But I know that it's a part of what I'm here for. Well, let's look at these sentences. I ask you to do that. I know it's time to go. But as self becomes stronger, if you want to fill it in with me, relationships become weaker. You understand that? See, my wife is here today. I'm so thankful for Penny. It's Valentine's Day. I've got to say something about her. Almost about her. Years ago, Penny don't probably remember this. Years ago, this goes with this point. Years ago, I, I still remember an argument we had. We never had many arguments. Maybe this one might have been the only one. But I remember, I remember we didn't speak for a day or so. At least a day, I know, Penny. That's horrific to me. That's the worst day I can remember, in my marriage. And then finally, I think I'll remi- I, I admit that I was wrong and we started talking. <laughs> but my point is, you see, if you're going to be selfish if, because I was going to be strong in myself, you know, I'm always right, so, so gosh, you know. Well, you know what that's going to make? That's going to make your relationships weaker with, with people and with God. Keep that in mind. All right, number two, usually the most confident people now, this is a different one. You to know, think about it. Are the ones that are the least acquainted with the cross. You know, you hear these people, you know, they boast about everything. Oh, I'll never do this. Day. See, see, the thing about grace is, it allows me to see, if you're going to face yourself, I know what I'm capable of doing. I know how weak I am. And I know in my weakness, that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians that's what I'm made strong. But I know, I know what Jesus, I believe what he did for me on the cross, and I know my sins have been forgiven, and I trust him in that. I'm not worthy of it, but here's what bothers me. I have not got confidence in Randy Waters so, because I'm fearful that I'm going to sin, and I'm going to grieve my Lord who died for me. I want to know. I've done it before. I have. And I'm, I know I'll do it again, but I don't like it. It bothers me a lot. Breaks my heart. So I'm not going to be confident. You know, if you're just confident in your life and you can can face yourself and say, well, you know, everything's hunky-dory and going good, I'm going to tell you, you don't really know what the cross is about. It's about dying. Jesus died because of your sins and weakness. Number three, if you appear great in the eyes of others, and you do, and I'll tell you why. This this sense will tell you why. The Lord is most graciously helping you to realize how absolutely nothing you are without him. See? You know why you feel so great to me? That's why I had a hard time with this message. Because you have got God in your heart and God has graciously given you the ability to know that you're nothing without him. And you thank God for it. Because that's exactly true. Galatians 6, 3 says, If a man thinketh he's something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. We're nothing without God. My goodness, God loves us so. I don't understand it, but he does. And then number four, The true humility before God is basic to all our relationships in life humble before God. You know, when we really reverence God in all we do, we're going to understand the closer we grow to God, the closer we even grow to each other. What a blessing that is. See, the Holy Spirit is given to us, not only to comfort and guide and convict us, but the Holy Spirit is not giving... The Holy Spirit is not giving to us let me say it like this he won't make us humble God is not just gonna zap you and make you all of a sudden a perfect little child of God but he's given you his spirit you have the ability to do it he's enabled you to do it so humble yourself in the eyes of God it makes a difference for all your relationships And we're here for relationships, and the greatest one is with God, eternal life that is given to us through Christ our Lord. Why in the world would we want any high esteem from the world anyway (laughs) when we're joint heirs with Christ? What a blessing. What a joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Brother Mike, quick.